We're going to dive into the Word. The Word. The Word's good, isn't it? God wants to continue pouring out His revelation. His revelation to us. God wants to show more and more and more to us who He is, what He is like, and really who we are. If we could just see a glimpse of who we are in Jesus, our lives would radically change. We would not walk through life the way that we do, right? We would not be victims in every circumstance. We'd be victors. We'd rise up above it, right? Kick off the past and just let it in the dirt. <laughs> that, that old dead self is dead, crucified with Christ. There's a new person now, right? A new life. And trust me, I don't, I don't know if any of you all deal with this, but a lot of times I've got to remind myself of that every single day. Every single day, I've got to remind myself that's not who I am anymore. Yeah, it's who I used to be, but that old person's dead and gone. And that's not the person that Jesus is resurrecting. Jesus is resurrecting, resurrecting a brand new life that he created. And so this is where we're going to continue to kind of grow and learn in our understanding of how God brings that revelation to us. How we get to see those things and who we are and who he is. Um, we, we learned at the very beginning about how just one revelation can radically transform everything. I mean, the entire world. That revelation of electrons floating around that we call electricity now, you know. It's amazing how that one little revelation transformed the world that we live in. Um, just, just incredible. And so we realize just how valuable valuable revelation is and why we should pursue God and chase after him to see him more clearly. Um, we learned about, of course, God revealing himself through his word. And of course, you know, that's why I love Daryl's class coming up here for the men because it's, it's, you know, it's important that we clearly see and we rightly divide his word, that we rightly interpret it and understand what he was speaking. Um, you know, but he reveals himself through his word, first and foremost, and how important it is to dedicate time to just pursuing the presence of God, just practicing the presence of God, I called it. You know, just pressing into his word, into his presence, um, because the, the cool thing about the word of God is the author is alive and well within you. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, he's deposited the Holy Spirit within you. The author can bring fresh revelation to his word constantly. Um, and, of course, we love the, the outpouring of the presence right at Asbury. We want to see more and more of that across our nation. Uh, we learn the powerful reality of what happens when we choose to pray in the Spirit. That perfect intercession that takes place through moans and groans that, that aren't even words that we don't even understand. Uh, we learned about how God, through the Holy Spirit within us, often speaks to us within our minds, right? And of course, it's very clear and easy to understand dreams and visions that way. Those happen in my head, right? But God also, a lot of times we're waiting for an external audible voice, but the Holy Spirit isn't just out here that we need to hear, have our ears to hear him. The Holy Spirit is within us. So often he speaks to us through our thoughts, through our mind. That is how we hear the voice of God. Um, and this morning, what we're going to do then, so you can catch previous messages to learn more about all those different things. This morning, we're turning back to the very beginning as we see how God pours out his revelation through his creation, pours out his revelation through his creation, through created things. Uh, he speaks to us through it. Um, you know, if you've ever taken any kind of theology courses, this is called general revelation. <laughs> Sorry. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to pick this thing up and do some jump rope with it because 
I can't ever just sit or stand still. I always got to be moving and whatever. So this is just fun. Thank you, Seth. Give me a toy to play with. <laughs> just, yeah. Anyways, Becky's not here, and so I'm, I'm going to try it. She keeps me focused. All right. <laughs> but this morning, we're, we're turning back. That This general revelation, what I love about the general revelation of God is that it breaks every single barrier. It breaks language barriers, it breaks economic barriers, it breaks, you know, race, everything. doesn't matter who you are or, um, you know, how you understand things, what level of education you have. It doesn't even matter if you don't have a Bible translation in your language. You can still receive the general revelation of God through his creation. It just breaks every single barrier that prevents understanding between God and man. Now, it's easy to get things a little twisted, you know. We, we know different tribal nations that, you know, that worship this God that they just, they, all that they have is, is his creation. That's why God sends missionaries to bring a specific revelation of who he is to, to help understand. Um, it reminds me of, uh, I think it was when Paul was in Athens. And they were very spiritual people, and they're, they're learning about all these different gods, and they had this one, with this one um, uh, da, 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 idol, you know, to, to the unknown god. And Paul was like, oh yeah, there's our connection. Here's the, the starting point. He's like, I want to tell you all about that god, the one true living god, you know. And, and he, he brought revival, you know, by presenting the gospel of who that god is. God can bring revelation through his creation, God, although that's general revelation, God can also bring specific revelation to us. He can speak to us through what he has created. Um, you know, a couple of examples, I think of uh, Moses at the burning bush, how the angel spoke through that bush. It was just this bush that was burning, yet it never burned up, you know, um, and it just caught his attention. Or more specifically, you want to talk about actual talking, Balaam and his donkey, right? He literally had voice and spoke and Man, I hope my dogs and cats never talk to me because I don't, I, sometimes I don't want to know what they're thinking, you know. I think my cat wants to kill me sometimes, but anyways. Our new cat, he just showed up on our, I, just anyways, he acts like he owns the place and I don't know where he came from, but he's ours now. We adopted him, couldn't find his owner. <sighs> cats, I don't know, anyways. I'm a mix between a cat and a dog person. It depends what day you catch me in. We got two of each, so we're, we're outnumbered. But God can show up in creation. Another great example of this was Jesus. God literally showed up as part of his creation, you know. God can speak to us and reveal himself through created things. That's why I love the outdoors. I just love being out where God created things, away from the noise of the world and work and all these other things. And kids that stress me out sometimes, you know, and just being out in creation and just enjoying. I don't care if I catch a fish or not. I just love the trickle of the, the brook and you know, just, just seeing the beauty of what he created, just enjoying it. I've had so many powerful spiritual encounters just, just being there, you know. Um, other ways, you know, when Jesus, when he, when he was in the flesh and he was uh, baptized, it said that the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. Um, in the upper room, there were tons of fire on their heads, right, and the sound of a mighty blowing wind. There's just different, like, revelations of God through his creation. But he can reveal himself quite specifically. In fact, Psalm 19 says this. The heavens declare the glory of God. You know, if you're looking for the glory of God, all you got to do is look upward to the sky and you see his glory, his splendor. It says the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. 
And talk about another, you know, time in the presence of God. Like, I love being out in the country, away from all the city lights, on a clear night. And you just look up at, at the stars and the galaxies. And, I mean, it's just, it's just, you're in awe. And you're like, and you love me, God. <laughs> this tiny little speck, you know, in the middle of this rock that's screaming around the sun. Like, it's just, it's just awe-inspiring. But here, I mean, this clearly says that day after day, they pour forth speech and knowledge, and yet they don't have a voice. In verse 3, it says, they have no speech, they use no words, no sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all of the earth, their words to the ends of the world. And so they don't use speech, audible speech, an audible voice, but yet they're declaring and proclaiming the glory of God, the work of his hands. They're pouring forth speech and knowledge. God's creation reveals so much about him. But it's so easy for us to miss it because it's common. It's ordinary. It's routine. Sometimes we get so caught up in our routine and in the ordinary things that we miss the extraordinary that is happening all around us through it. We miss the spiritual that's being revealed through the natural things. God speaks through his creation. His invisible qualities are clearly revealed through his visible creation all around us. That's exactly, you're probably familiar with this scripture, Romans 1.20. Since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature, they have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. So we see that God will even use his general revelation through his creation to hold people into an account. Even if they've never heard the name of Jesus before, never had an opportunity to put their faith in him, they're without excuse because they can see everything about God through his creation. And that gives us a reason to pursue him and to seek after him. And any people, anywhere, who pursue God, God will show up. He will reveal himself to them. And in fact, I, I, I wasn't going to go into this, but Romans 1, it also teaches us like the root of so many addictions that we can't break free from is because we get this mixed up. We were created to worship, and you're going to worship. You're either going to worship the creator or the creation. That's really what the root of most addictions boil down to is you're worshiping the creation, not the creator. And that's why, why well, ministries like um, Teen Challenge are so powerful because they point people, they redirect people's addictions to the creator and then they're satisfied and they're given life and fullness and abundance where the enemy has been using the creation to still kill and destroy from them previously. I love it. God makes things so simple. No, you don't need those 12 stinking steps. I mean, there's nothing wrong with those in particular, but just one step. Just worship God. Just keep it simple, right? Worship the creator, not the creation. But think about this reality. It just, it's amazing. In the beginning, God spoke. God spoke and created the entire universe all around us. Just spoke his word. He spoke, and in six days, he created everything that we experience with all of our senses and even the things that are beyond our sensory ability to sense. He created everything that we're still, you know, thousands and thousands of years later, discovering and exploring things that have existed from the beginning of time that we didn't know existed right here on the face of the planet. So for all you people who say Bigfoot doesn't exist, I mean, come on. We... Anyway, so I don't know. 
I go back and forth on that one. Then God rested on the seventh day to create a pattern for us to follow. He called it the Sabbath day. He commanded that we take a Sabbath. He said that the Sabbath day was created for man, not man for the Sabbath, right? We very literally, think about this, though, we very literally depend on the word of God for life every day. Every day we rely in every aspect of our lives. They are sustained by God's word, by what he spoke. God's word upholds us. Whether we acknowledge his existence or whether we say that is a big pile of baloney, there is a big bang and a big pile of goo evolved into everything we see. Even if you deny it and you believe in that, it doesn't change the fact that it is still God's word that upholds you, that provides everything you need to sustain life. We literally live by the word of God. Like, it's just so cool to think about. Like, I just started having this deeper revelation. It's like, I can't explain what's in my spirit, but it's bursting in my spirit. Like, everything is God's word. We can't create anything. All that we do is take what God created and shape it into something different, you know? The chairs you're sitting on, that, we didn't come up with those. We just took other things that God created and we merged it and formed it into that, right? We're going to talk about that a little bit later, why we're able to do those things. Um... John stated it very poetically in this way. John chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made. The Word. You were the Word at the beginning, right? We sing that song. You know, he, he, the Word. Literally, the Word brought everything about. We live according to the Word of God, whether we have ever received the Bible or not, you know? Just so cool to think about. His word that sustains us. Should give us a hunger and a thirst for more of his written word, right? More of hearing his voice. God spoke and created everything with one exception. Mankind. This is an old history lesson most of you have heard many, many times. We were literally made different from the rest of all of creation. Genesis 1, back in the beginning, right? 26 to 27. Then God said, let us. So if you want evidence of the Trinity right there in Genesis 1, like, why is God speaking in the plural? Because he is three in one. Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea. That's right, you know? God's a fisherman. He, we fish for men we've, anyways. He, first people he called were fishermen, wasn't it? Wasn't it the first? Of, okay, yeah, I just want to make sure I wasn't speaking apostasy here. I know that, okay, yeah, Simon and Peter. All right, thank you, Nate. Appreciate that. <laughs> and then he goes on to roll over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And this is how he did it in Genesis 2. In verse 5 it says, No shrub had yet appeared on the earth, no plant had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not sent rain to the earth. There was no one to work the ground. But streams came from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. God spoke and created everything, but when it came to mankind, he stepped down onto his creation, he got his hands dirty, he formed us 
out of mud and then breathe the breath of life into us. We were created different in the image of God, separate, different from the rest of all creation. Everything else is created by the voice of God. Well, animals, he did shape them too, but we receive the breath of God. We are spiritual creations, spiritual beings. In fact, when we look in the mirror and when we search within ourselves, like all those self-help books teach you, there's a reason why they have a degree of success. Whenever we interact with one another, anytime that we look in ourselves or at each other, we're looking and getting glimpses of God. Because we, mankind, were created in his image. We're seeing glimpses of God and who he is. We, his creation, reveal himself. So cool to think about that we ourselves do that. We are reflections of who God is. We're, we're sort of like icons, like to put it in modern day tech. Like that icon, I can tell you as a software developer, that's just a little picture, you know? That's all that it is. It's not the application. It's just a picture representing it. But it gives you access then to the fullness of that application. And that's kind of what we are. We're like, it, we're like icons. We represent God. We're images that, that point people to him. We're not God ourselves. But each of us were certainly, wonderfully, and fearfully made, knit together by God in the womb of our mothers. We ourselves are a revelation of God, a part of his creation. We see what God is like. I mean, he created everything to reproduce after its own kind. Then what was it, donkeys and, and horses tried to get that wrong and they create mules, but mules can't reproduce mules, can they? Isn't, do I have that right, my farmer kind out there? Yeah. You can crossbreed dogs with dogs, but not a dog with a cat. There's no such thing as a dog cat out there, even though in the 90s that was a really cool cartoon. Cat dog, yeah. Doesn't exist out there in real life. <laughs> Within creation, God set predictable patterns predictable patterns and rhythms and times and seasons. And that's what music sort of reveals. God is a God of order. He just is. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8. There's a time for everything. There's a season for every activity under the heavens. A time and a season for everything. And we can go through the list. Time to be born, a time to die. Time to plant, a time to uproot. A time to kill, a time to heal. A time to tear down, a time to build. A time to weep, a time to laugh. A time to mourn, a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them up. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. And I, if you're a, a brother or sister in Christ who likes to hug, be sensitive to the time when it's to let go. Some people like to hug for like five minutes, and some people are like, okay, yep, we touched, that's enough, right? Meg, Meg likes the back of the board because she can hide from hugs, right? She's not a touchy person. Anyways, yes, yeah, so a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search, time to give up. <laughs> There's a time to give up. Can you believe that? We think that's an ungodly thing to do. There's a time to give up, a time to, to keep, and guess what? There's also a time to throw away. Okay, so all you hoarders out there, this is a biblical thing. There's a time to give it away, okay? <laughs> There's a time for it, and it's before you're ready, believe you me. Don't leave it to your children and grandchildren. Let me tell you as a, a man who had inherited his father's estate, there are some things my father treasured that us kids, eh, why? Why'd you keep this? 
come on. Like, anyways, there's a time to throw away. There's a time to tear and a time to mend. There's a time to be silent, a time to speak, a time to love. There's a time to hate. God hates. Did you know that? There are things that God despises. We should hate the things God hates, despise the things he despises, love the things he loves. Rightly divide those things. There's a time for war, and there's a time for peace. Time for everything. Here in the great state of Pennsylvania, it gets very confusing about these times and seasons. You know? I mean, I, I buffed my bike the other day. I'm ready to get it out, and then there's snow outside. And I'm like, what? What is happening here? It's 70 degrees one day. It's 20 the next. And Anyways... But through these general seasons, we see the beauty of God throughout fall. That there's beauty in death. Isn't that sort of grotesque? Oh, let's go see the leaves. Like, those things are dying. You want to go see corpses falling to the ground? You think it's pretty and beautiful? You want to take pictures of it, you know? But it is, isn't it? There's beauty in dying, right? As the leaves change colors and fall and... Then they die throughout the winter. And then God, in the spring, brings everything back into brand new life, right? All those seeds that fall in the fall, they bring forth new life in the spring, and everything's beautiful, and it smells great, and there's, you know, there's reproduction happening, there's new life all throughout the woods, and you know, it's, just, it's just this time and this pattern, and there's a time and a season for everything, and there's beauty in it all. He has a purpose for it all. God is able to do amazing things through times and seasons. We would be wise to try to discern the time and the season that God has us in. Otherwise, you're going to put on your swim trunks and go out there in the snow and try to swim. You know, and you're going to get hurt because it's not the right time. It's not the right season. It seems silly to do in the natural, right? They do those polar bear plunges and everything, you know, crazy people. You just don't do that. But we do it in the spiritual so often. Well, God said to do this. You know, this, I, I can quote the word of God, and so this is what I'm doing. But if you do it out of time, it will bring destruction instead of life. We, we need to be prophetically aware of the time and the season that God has us in, so we just cooperate with him. Maybe we're planting, maybe we're watering, maybe we're harvesting. But I'm telling you, if you plant a corn seed and you go out a week later and you harvest that corn seed, you're going to have one corn kernel. That's it. It's not fun, right? But if you do it at the right time, if you plant it at the right time and you wait, oh, I, mm, it's like a curse word in, in my head, you know. If you patiently wait for God to grow it, but it's true, we have to patiently wait on God to do his thing. We got to let go of it. You can't dig that seed up every day and ask God what he's doing with it. You got to just trust that it's growing, that it's doing what it's supposed to do. You just got to let it go. And then at the right season, God says, now it's time to harvest. You know, we, times and seasons. But God through his creation says this. I love this. Psalm 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. They declare it. We see this paradox. Time is a, he, God is a, a God of, of order and of times and seasons. There's a paradox in creation where things are always the same and yet they're always different. Just as God is always the same, yesterday, today, and forever, and yet he's always different. There's something new every day. Every day the sun rises and the sun sets, right? Every day it's the same and yet it's different. 
Every day you go out and you look at the sunrise or the sunset, it's a completely different sky. Even though you're standing at the same place, there's the same stars, the same galaxies behind it. Like, but yet God on the earth said, I'm going to paint something new today. Every day. And all throughout the day, he's painting something new up in the sky. The skies, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. I love that about God. It's always the same, and yet it's always different. And that's the best way. I couldn't think of a, a way to describe it, and then God gave me Psalm 19. I'm like, oh, yeah, the skies. There you go. It's the same every day, and yet it's different every day. It's a weird paradox, but that's the way that God is. Every day, people are born. I mean, we're, we're people. We know that we're, we're homo sapiens. Is that the correct scientific term? Yeah. And yet every day, those people are different. You know, you can give birth to identical twins, identical twins, and yet they're different from one another. Like, it's just crazy to think that not one person from the beginning of time to the end of the time is going to be the same, and yet they're all humans. Like, isn't that so cool? The same but different? It's just awesome how God is. Um, here's another thing, you know, snowflakes. I mean, some of those snowflakes, they exist for moments. They, they, they crystallize up in the clouds and they fall to the ground and they melt as soon as they, some of them melt before they even touch the ground. And yet God has chosen that every single one of those snowflakes is going to be unique one from the other. Even if nobody ever sees it or understands it, even if it's never revealed to them, how cool is that? That not one single snowflake out there looks exactly the same. You know, I've been blessed while I was out there hunting where, like, you know, snow had fallen on my synthetic stock. It's just so cool because you can see. You can, like, literally see that. I'm like, oh, wow. Like, it's just so cool, you know, to see all these different snowflakes. Not, not, not the political democratic kind. They're, they're all the same. These ones are all different. I had to catch everyone's attention somehow here. <laughs> these snowflakes. It's just so cool. I don't know, it just, it blew me away. I'm, I'm sorry, I'll move on from it. It just blew me away to think about that. The same yet different. Their chemical makeup is exactly the same, H2O, right? They're just water droplets. But yet God, even though they're exactly the same in every way, God chose to create them and to form them, unique one from the other. Just so amazing to think about that. God's creation reveals himself that God is always the same, and yet he always acts differently. Just, just the way, again, God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews, is it 8.3? Am I remembering that right? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Never changes. And yet, look at how he works through his creation. Very rarely does he ever do the same thing twice. Like, the closest I could come was, like, the ministries of Elijah and Elisha. They did things very similarly, yet very differently, you know? But just think about it, you know, he always acts differently. Um, here, think about this way. Uh, God provides for our needs. God is a constant provider. And yet when you look at the way he miraculously provided for people throughout scripture, very rarely did he ever do it the same way twice. I mean, he told Peter to go fishing and there was a coin in his mouth. I um, mean, he, he told the, uh, the, the widow to grab, you know, grab up all the empty jars in the community and you keep dumping this jar out and sh out of this tiny little bit of oil, she had enough oil left over to pay off all of her debts and to give her son an inheritance. They were getting ready to eat their last meal. And then the prophet shows up and everything changes. Why? Because the prophet brings the word of the Lord. When God's word speaks into something, everything changes. Right? The, the loaves and fishes was enough to feed thousands. I mean, think about the way he provided. Uh, this is the one that really drove me crazy. When I was a teenager and I went to this Baptist summer camp, 
they brought this guy in that talked about the ministry of Elijah. And what drove me crazy and really still throws me off to this day, and I, I got to teach my kids this, is the way that God miraculously provided for Elijah. He sent a raven to feed him. Y'all ever see ravens and what they eat? Dead corpses torn to shreds. Sometimes God's provision, we need to be thankful and grateful for it, but it may not be what we think. It may not be a McDonald's triple burger. It may just be some raven meat, and you got to be thankful for that, you know? But God miraculously provided in any case. Um, uh, yeah, we go on and on and on. But anyways, God is constantly a provider, and yet he's always providing in different ways. The same yet different, right? It's really cool. It keeps us, it keeps us in pursuit of God, and it keeps life exciting, because we don't know what God's going to do. We don't know how he's going to do it. We know he's going to provide. That's all he's promised. We have no idea how he's going to do it. And sometimes it's exciting. It's like this impossible situation comes up. And it's like, we had an impossible situation, you know. It's, like, we, it's tax time, you know. And, and being a pastor, everybody thinks that we don't have to pay taxes. And we don't have to pay taxes on our housing. But, like, you know, I'm set up that no federal taxes is withheld. And no SECA taxes. And I'm self-employed so i have to pay like the employer and the employee version of those and we did our taxes i'm like how are we gonna come up with that money like we owe all kinds of money i'm like i have no idea no, no, no. lo and behold becky switched jobs she had a retirement fund she didn't know about that the employer was contributing to and we get the money a what a wise person would say rolled over to another retirement account but we were like yeah cash we need it we can pay our taxes now Woo! god showed up just in time with just what we needed, right? And by the way, those, those tires, we can go get them now. Yeah, woo, you know, don't you love it? God just, he's so good, so, so good. He is a provider, but you never know how he's going to do it. All right, boundaries. God has created boundaries within his creation. This is an actual NASA photo, you know? Really cool how there's a boundary there. And we all know what happens when that ocean spills over into that land when like a tsunami or hurricane comes, right? It's not good. Boundaries are good things. Boundaries protect and they bring life. Um, it, it, everything exists in an orderly fashion and, and so much order exists that we've been able to develop genealogies and classifications and taxonomies um, about God because he's a, a God of order and yet he loves to be spontaneous all at the same time, right? He, he loves being spontaneous, surprising us constant yet different. God is the one who orderly planned out and wisely separates and distinguishes and sets boundaries. There's boundaries between the land and ocean, between the vacuum of space and our atmosphere. I'm thankful that it's there. Between our planet and the sun, there's a healthy boundary, right? I remember reading that if we just got a little closer, a little further away, we would burn up or we'd freeze. A healthy boundary, right? God knew what he was doing perfectly. Um, you know, he, he sets all these different ones. Um, he, he gave uh, around the membrane of a cell. There's that separation. I, I love this one that exists um, in our throats, and I'm not a nurse, but the one that separates whether something goes into your lungs or into your stomach, right? What do they call that? Aspiration if it goes down the wrong one? Like, you use it every day and you don't realize it, but thank God for that boundary, because when that boundary doesn't work right, you drink water and you fill up your lungs with fluid. Like, it's not good. It's not good. These are healthy boundaries that God created and put into place. And when those boundaries don't function correctly, or when they're not honored, chaos breaks loose. Death can bring loose, uh, break loose. Um, you know, so it's just cool to think about that. God intentionally, he also intentionally set apart boundaries 
and times for nations. Acts 17, 26 and 27. It says here that um, from, make sure I, I read everything. From one man he made all of the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history. So history is his story, right? History. And the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he's not ever very far away from any one of us. Now, what do we choose to do because of all these nations and boundaries and times? We choose to fight with each other and get disgruntled with each other. And, you know, we, 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 God did it so that we'd seek after him. And anyways, chaos broke forth. In fact, everything in all of creation, here's really the point. Everything, all the ways that God reveals himself through his creation, it points us to Jesus. Colossians 1. Colossians 1, verse 15 to 20 says this, the Son, that's Jesus. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He is the image, the seen thing of the invisible God. Jesus said, when you see me, you've seen the Father. He is God in all of his fullness. And yet he's also fully man. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all of creation. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and earth, visible, invisible, whether it's thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. I'm so thankful that Jesus is the head of this body, all right? Because if I was the head of this body, y'all would be in trouble. Uh, half time my head doesn't know what it's doing, right? <laughs> you know? He is the head of this body. And he has brought all of us into it. Different parts at different times for different seasons because of different needs. It says that he is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead. So that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him. And through him, he reconciled himself to all things, whether things on earth or heaven, making peace through his blood that was shed on the cross. You see, this is how everything comes together. Everything in all of creation, it all comes together to point to Jesus, his death on the cross, his resurrection from the dead, that he is supreme. He existed before everything, and he will exist after everything. If you read the book of Revelation, he says that he is the Alpha and the Omega. And if you don't know Greek or you've never been in a sorority, Alpha, Omega, beginning, end, is what those words mean. The beginning and the end. Of course, none of us were there at the beginning. Was anybody there at the beginning when God created everything? Any of us? No. Nope. In fact, ask your science teacher next time they teach you about all those lovely theories, you know, like we, you know, the world exists as a, uh, a tortoise and, you know, we're just riding on a shell or whatever the theory might be about the creation of the world. They're all theories because none of us were there to see it happen. And by scientific theory, like it's not repeatable. It's not something you can reproduce and observe and measure. It's, you, it can't be judged scientifically. It just can't be. It just it breaks everything. None of us are there. So that means we all accept it by faith. It's by faith alone that we have to accept and understand these truths. Though we weren't there at the beginning, we can see the creator in all that he created. You can see the work of his hands, that there's a creator. You know, I think I 
I think I put this on Facebook the other day, like, you know, I, I could throw a germ in my garage and lock it up, and I guarantee after millions of years, it's not going to be a transformer. It's, it's just going to be a lot more germs, and all my same tools are going to be sitting there, you know? I mean, it, it takes a lot more faith to believe the theory of evolution than it does to believe in a creator, an intentional, intelligent creator, right? In fact, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3 says this, By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. In other words, what was seen was made out of the unseen. It's by faith we understand it. You have to accept by faith because none of us is there to observe it. By faith we understand that all was created as God spoke, that we were created in his image, that our words hold more creative power and authority than we realize. No, we're not gods. We're not God. We're not going to accidentally speak a galaxy into creation, but your words have creative power and authority because you were created in his image. We are creating and speaking into existence atmospheres. Atmospheres of grumbling and complaining. Atmospheres of eager excitement. Can't wait for what God's going to do. Words of encouragement and hope that build people up or words of discouragement and despair and doubt that tear people apart. We speak to create boldness and courage or fear and hesitation. Our words reveal what we truly believe. 2 Corinthians 4, 13-15. It's written, I believed, therefore I've spoken. And since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All of this is for your benefit so that the grace... So we speak by faith for other people's benefit so that the grace of God is reaching more and more people that it may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. And this is the point that I'm ending on. We've got to be so careful with our words. We can see the creator through his creation. And I could go on for probably years talking about different examples of how you see the creator through his creation. The point is you all get out there and let him reveal that. But you see his handiwork through what he creates. Everything he creates, he spoke into existence. He spoke. Even mankind was his breath that gave us life. We need to be more intentional about speaking words that agree with God's word so that his grace reaches more and more people. That it causes thanksgiving and overflowing into God's glory. And here's just a few Proverbs about, about our speech to keep in mind. Proverbs 12, 18. The words of the reckless pierce like swords. I call them porcupines. They're just prickly people. They just offend somebody everywhere they go, right? I used to be a prickly person, by the way. They pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Proverbs 15, 4, the soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. You're bringing life and death. Proverbs 18, 21, the, power has, the, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat of its fruit. Proverbs 25, 15, though through patience a ruler can be persuaded, and a gentle tongue can break a bone. 
those who love politics, not a wonder nobody can ever win anybody over, you know, it's, it's through patience and, and with a gentle tongue that you break spirits. Literally says you can break a bone with a gentle tongue. But anyways, Proverbs 26, 28, a lying tongue hates those that it hurts. That's a hard one. Because I guarantee every single person in this room has hurt somebody with their tongue. And, and the Bible says that you hate them when you hurt them with your tongue. We don't want to have hearts of hate, right? In fact, it says a flattering mouth works ruin. Flattering, buttering somebody up, right, with, with bad motives. You're just setting yourself up for ruin. So think about these things. So, so, so much can be revealed about God through his creation. And so much gets created by our faith in the words that we speak. Even as he was the word at the beginning and he spoke and he created everything. We are creating his image. Our words carry power. They create things. They especially create atmospheres. They either build people up or tear people down, you know. And, and you can tell when you walk into a room, you can feel the atmosphere. You can read whether people have been grumbling, complaining, and whining, or, or whether it's a party and, you know, somebody's getting praised for something that they've done. You can walk in the room and just feel that in the atmosphere. We are speaking into spiritual realms and we are creating atmosphere. It's just, there's so much that we don't see that we speak. So let's be mindful to speak in agreement with what God says so that we can build people up and encourage them so that it benefits everyone who listens, right? And as you're going out there and as you're walking through life, it's so easy to just drive out here and, you know, you drive past the same stuff you always do and you go home to the same house you always have. Keep your senses alert and ask the Spirit, to speak to you through his creation. It'll be amazing. Some of the things that catch your attention you'd never seen before, and God will speak to you through it, something you never really thought of before. It's exciting. It's exciting. It's an adventure. All right, so let's pray. So, Lord, we thank you so much for speaking this amazing universe into creation. And we thank you for the privilege of being made different from the rest of creation. Thank you that you created us personally. You breathed your breath of life into our nostrils. Holy Spirit, keep breathing your breath of life into us. God, give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you are proclaiming through the creation around us so that we would be more in tune with what you're trying to reveal to us. And also help us to speak what you are speaking, to cooperate with you. We want to be ones that speak life, that speak hope, that speak truth. Ones that speak words that build people up into all that you created them to be. Help us to be builders co-laboring with you. Help us to be those construction workers out there helping build people up, build businesses up, build schools up, building every, every place you have placed us or building our families up. Help us to be encouragers, Lord. Encouragers and givers of life even as you are. And we just thank you so much for what you're going to do in and through us in your name. 
Amen. Amen. All right. Be blessed and keep pressing in. God's just getting started, right? Amen.